You know, Brett, it's not lost on me that uh, literally for almost almost every single recording, it hasn't been every single one, but for the most part, every single recording, I have a Dr. Pepper and Pop-Tart, which means <laughs> only one thing. We cannot stop making episodes until Dr. Pepper and Pop-Tart reaches out to us and becomes official sponsors of the podcast. Yes, we need that. <laughs> yes. It may be until I'm 80 years old, Brett, but we need to make it happen. Yes. Hashtag make it happen, Captain. <laughs> Hashtag welcome to great, great granddad meat world. <laughs> Welcome to Dad's Meat World, your weekly podcast that dives into exploring episode by episode Boy Meets World from the perspective of two dads who just can't let it go. This week, I am dad number one, Brett, joined by the magic of virtual connection with dad number two. I am Tyler, and every time I hear you talk, Brett, all I hear is... Woohoo! <laughs> what? <laughs> That's right. Oh, yes. We had a lot of fun uh, in the rain today. Is it raining out in Pennsylvania yet today, Tyler? Well, here's the thing, Brett. When you work third shift, uh, things happen in the day, and people go, hey, did you see what happened? And I go, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, it's raining right now in Ohio, oh. and it rained Very through nice. the day here, so I'm assuming it's had time to start moving your way. I just didn't know if it gotten to you yet. Yeah, it's not currently raining, but it rained earlier, and we didn't have football tonight, so. Ah, yes. Yeah. I got to run through the rain tonight. That was enjoyable. Like intentionally or? Oh, because I had to run. We were over at some friend's house and I had to run from the, the house out to the van. And yeah, uh, it was pretty heavy, pretty heavy drops. <laughs> very nice. You know that Mythbusters prove that if you walk instead of run, you actually you get, get less, less splash on you. Yes, yes. I, I saw that episode, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if we all had the flashes powers, then none of us would ever be wet. But yes, we don't. <laughs> but I was wearing shorts, so it really didn't matter. I, you know. <laughs> How have you been, Tyler? What's what's new in your world? I've been pretty good, Brett. Um, did I ever talk to you about um, Across the Spider-Verse? Mm, I don't remember if we've talked about that on mic or off mic. I can't remember either. We talk too much. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and talk about this real quick because I... I've been obsessed over this movie ever since it came to digital. I think I may have mentioned that I finally got to watch it, but literally this movie has been inside my brain ever since I watched it the first time and I keep watching different things over and over again. And something that I've heard on the the interwebs and from a lot of nerds out there is that (laughs) this is an incomplete movie and how dare – How dare they do this and yada, yada, yada. This is ridiculous. And I just I think back to a specific movie, Brett. I don't know if you ever heard this. It's a little indie indie movie. Not not many people heard of it, but it's called The Empire Strikes Back. You ever heard of it? I think I may have heard of that one. Yeah. Right. So for those of you that haven't (laughs) seen this as uh, 
Tom Holland Spider-Man say, have you seen this really old movie? Um, <laughs> in this really old movie, Empire Strikes Back, uh, they literally end on a cliffhanger. It's Luke Skywalker loses a fight. Han Solo could be dead. And people are kind of separated. And you're like, what is going to happen next? Like, yes, there's a conclusion to the story. But overall, like, you're still hanging on. Like, there's a lot of things happening. The bad guy is still out there. The bad guy won, really. Um, there's also hints towards there may be more happening in this next one. Another potential bad guy. And so after, I don't know if you've actually watched this movie, but uh, Across the Spider-Verse, uh, for those of you that haven't, spoiler alert, but the movie ends on a cliffhanger. And it ends and you're like, oh my gosh, what's ha- going to happen next? I need to get to the next part. And I think back to how people originally felt about The Empire Strikes Back of, oh my gosh, this movie just blew my mind and so many things are happening. <laughs> and I think for... This generation, the the like my son's generation, I can't remember if they're actually, if he's actually part of Gen Z or not. But for for his little generation, he's always going to remember of this this movie of you know this this cliffhanger and just being so excited and so giddy. And it's something I think is special mm-hmm. that you don't really get that nowadays, like. We saw this with Endgame and um, with Infinity War a little bit. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that Endgame is so different from Infinity War that it felt like the story stopped after five minutes. And then now <laughs> here's the next movie. Instead of it feels like because we're going to literally come into the next movie, finish what's going on and then get to what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And it really does feel like. You know, we have this incredible last chapter that for for kids to be excited for for when it is to come out next. So that type of stuff is really cool and really exciting. Um, Again, the difference between that and say like Endgame coming out is that Endgame like they shot both those movies back to back. So like it didn't feel like you had to wait that long where. It's on. It's reported at this point. I think it's not going to come out till 2025. It may mm-hmm. get pushed back again because of these little things called the writer strike and actor strike. So, a lot of things that are in production are getting, you know, moved backwards. So, mm-hmm. it may be potentially three years after this one came out for us to wait for final answers. So yeah. they didn't have a whole lot of it in the can before the writer strike started, so they can't really do much of adjustments. What's going on with you? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. We had uh, first home uh, football game, so marching band took the field. Nice. Yeah, we talked about that last week. It was coming up. And uh, marching band takes up about two-thirds of the field, so it was a lot of fun. They're doing a tribute to disco this year. A lot of 70s nice. music. A lot of fun trying to keep track of two teenagers on the field at the same time while they're marching in formation. So that's enjoyable. <laughs> Got to watch a trombone player and a clarinet player at the same time. But yeah, all the say, kids. I feel like those two would be on completely different ends, too. You know, uh, thankfully, a lot of their formations keep them on the same half of the field for a lot of the time. So we're getting lucky right now. <laughs> 
but yeah, all the kids are back in school full time now. We've got one in elementary school, two in high school. Fun story. We had uh, uh, the second full day back in class. Uh, my dad was picking them up after class, and uh, Abby came out. She's in the car for about five minutes, and they're trying to figure out where Toby is. He, uh, they're getting ready to call him, and all of a sudden, he comes wandering out of the building, completely different area than normally they would come out of the building. When he gets to the car... He, he says, I, I didn't have my map on me because, you know, new freshman, new building. You know, it's like a three-story building. And so, you know, the new freshmen have a map to help themselves get around the first few days. Well, what it turns out, he had walked out a door and actually walked out into the teacher's parking lot. Because he was so busy talking with his friends, he had lost track of where he was in the building <laughs> so he was just so busy going with his friends that he forgot where he was in the building and had to walk around the building to get back over to the correct side to get to my parents to pick him up <laughs> nice so i get home from work that day and everyone has to ask so did they did toby tell you what happened after school today <laughs> <laughs> nice uh so, uh, Tyler, you ready to talk about uh, Bob Boy Meets World tonight? I am, but I'm not ready for this next episode, mister, because I realized something. <laughs> What's that? Did you prep for the we wrong episode? <laughs> did not have our wives in the last episode. We did not. <laughs> we recorded them, and they were not a part of it. Ah, yes, I do remember now that we recorded it. Oh, yes, <laughs> that was way back in there. Let's just throw them in on the next episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Sarah and Kelly, I apologize. I was yes. uh, in a rush to get that one edited and out the door. And I honestly, I completely forgot until Tyler just reminded me right now yeah. that that you were uh, uh, that we recorded you. <laughs> That's fine. It's not like they listen to the podcast. I know this apology is not even going to be heard by either one of them. <laughs> we're wasting a sorry. We're wasting a sorry. I know. Well, hey, we at least put it on tape. You're wasting All right. Tape, Hit dude. my music. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about episode two of season three, The Double Lie. All right, so in this episode, Sean has a hot date for the weekend, but those plans are quickly derailed when Jonathan tells Sean that he'll be out of town for the weekend. However, Sean refuses to break off his date and ends up taking her to Jonathan's apartment where he finds a big surprise. Now, this episode was written by Matthew Nelson, directed by Jeff McCracken, originally aired on September 29th, 1995, and currently enjoys a 7.7 IMDb rating. Now, of course, for everyone's favorite game show... Best Emotional Damage. We're going to ask Tyler... What do you think the Nielsen rating was? Now, 
Our previous episode clocked in at 19.8 million viewers for the season premiere. What do you think the double I came in at? I'm going 20. You're going 20. You think they got a bump in this episode? I think so. Our actual tally is 17.2 million viewers. Ah. Oh, yes. Where's I I need Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, good-looking people. I have multiple soundboards on this iPad here. <laughs> Yeah, there was a, a little bit of a dip this week. Uh, lost about two and a half million viewers from episode one to episode two. Not uncommon in the 90s for uh, broadcast television to have a dip. And as we go through, you'll you'll see the peaks and valleys. It's like a roller coaster, kind of like our grade sheets, which also, uh, good looking people, if you noticed on our social channels, did not post last Friday like it was supposed to, and uh, I didn't notice until Monday <laughs> that it had not auto-posted like it was supposed to. Yeah. So those That's are there right. now. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's uh, let's take it away. We're going to open up in the school hallway two weeks in a row, not opening in the Matthews house. We're opening in the hallways again. And, uh, well, not again. We're opening in the hallways this week. Last week it was in uh, Mr. Turner's apartment. But Corey and Sean are watching this Veronica Watson very carefully as she breaks up with her boyfriend. And let's get Veronica out of the way here. Uh, Veronica is played by Aaron J. Dean. It's first and only time that we're going to see her on Boy Meets World. And she's only got eight credits in Hollywood as far as being an actor. Uh, productions like Monty, Lover's Lane, The Journey of Alan Strange. Uh, she hasn't appeared on camera since the year 2000. I cannot believe that. <laughs> well, IMDb never lies, Tyler. Never. It does. It does. But I don't think it is this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes. You know, I, can I just say real quick, uh, I, you know, if people have listened long enough, they know that I quite enjoyed the history of Power Rangers. And uh, one of the actors who played uh, one of the uh, not original Power Rangers, but pretty early on in the show, they had said that w they took a day and just like it was either Wikipedia or IMDb that they went through and edited completely to have it be accurate mm -hmm. and submitted it and got an immediate response like, sorry, this isn't accurate and we cannot take uh, your opinion into consideration. <laughs> well, I do know with uh, with IMDb, actors tend to be responsible for a lot of their own entries. So it could be either one. <laughs> Well, so uh, so there's there's a fun little comment here from Corey as they're watching. They're very, very voyeuristic on this. Ooh, lock it in the pocket. Yes. They, very very it's interested. It's like they're watching TV right in front of their face. I know. It's, they get their thrills. Well, so they get the, I never want to see you again. That moment comes. Yes. And uh, Sean seizes upon his moment. So let's listen in to Sean's moves here. Veronica, 
I saw what just happened with you and Dennis. Look, if you're asking me out for Friday night, I, uh, I really don't think I'm ready. Yeah, I, I, I understand. How's Saturday? Perfect. Beautiful. I'll pick you up at eight. That was a good move because word of their breakup was bound to spread quickly. Busy, busy, busy. Man, I wish I could be a fly on that wall. Maroon, you're gonna be there. <laughs> Even better. But I'll ask my parents if it's okay. Why would you do that? Because you're staying with us this weekend, remember? Mr. Turner's going out of town. What? I never heard that. Sean, I was standing right there when he told you. Where was I? <laughs> and again, we get Sean with his inability to hear adults when they speak to him. This is... <laughs> a great Sean centric episode. <laughs> like Corey is here, but like we're seeing a new side of Corey, which will be the more consistent side of Corey, which is I pay attention and I listen and no one else listens around me, which drives me crazy. Yes. <laughs> um, and Sean goes on the deep end of just not listening for anything to save his life. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, but I I will say that Sean has laid the groundworks of his coolness in school. So all he has to do is go up to a girl and say, hey, just saw what happened. And she's like, I can't on Friday. Okay, give me my space. What about Saturday? Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. This is Sean almost Eric level, almost Eric season six levels of dumb. I wish I could be a fly on that wall. Maroon, you're going to be there even better. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, and it's I like, funny. I like how he's like, I'm going to pick it up at eight. It's like, well, curfew's at 10. It's like, huh, that doesn't give me much time at all. <laughs> stinking metric system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that stinking metric system. <laughs> so they head in. Uh, you know, Mr. Turner walks in past them. They head into uh, his classroom to try and sweet talk Mr. Turner. Uh, so we, we find out why Mr. Turner is not going to be around, why Sean is uh, hanging out or why Sean is hanging out and staying with uh, with the Matthews. Mr. Turner is going to be flying out to Pittsburgh to uh, go to a buddy's wedding. And, you know, I, I like how Sean tries to sweet talk him. Why the heck do I miss you so much? Did you drop a few LBs? You look good. Very clearly, Mr. Turner knows that Sean wants something. And we get another uh, another peek into the runner of... <laughs> What? <laughs> Where was I? And just Sean again, not knowing what's going on. And we get Mr. Turner being very patient and taking just another moment and trying to get through to Sean. Do you listen? <laughs> Which Corey still has to translate because... Sean is still not understanding. Mr. Turner's out of town. Corey is going to... Well, Sean is staying with Corey. They talked about this. But apparently, Sean hears a buzzing sound when adults talk. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I Mr. Turner's just going to talk you over You and I have both talked to teenagers before <laughs> where you see a look in their eyes. You go, you're not hearing any of this, are you? Oh, yes. It happens in my own house. It's happened with so many teenagers I've talked to over the years. You've had it happen with you. My buddy Chris is getting married. You're staying at the Matthews. I rented a tuxedo. You got me. And Sean wants Mr. Turner to change his plans because people get married every day. And here we get another runner that we're going to see through the episode. Veronica Watson is uh, is presented as this. I hesitate to say she's presented as this prize, but she is definitely put on a pedestal as um an ultimate girl to be dating. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll phrase it that way. <sighs> the problem is that's the way the writers are basically making it is this mm-hmm. is the girl who is an it girl popular. The, you know, Veronica Watson. Right. Almost like she could be like the, like the daughter of like the richest person, you know, mm-hmm. like of the Watson family. Yeah. I don't know if there is a famous Watson family, but you know, like, the way they make it seem almost like she's on the same par as that one girl he tried to date the year prior to mm-hmm. um, that fashionista. I can't remember uh, from the other side of the tracks. I yeah. can't remember the girl's name, but it's almost like she and her are like from the same cloth, apparently. Um, but again, that insinuates you have rich people and also poor people in the same school, which in Philadelphia, I think not. But that's a whole other yeah, story I, for another day. I read into it more as just she's just that that it girl. Less 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 fashionable, fancy rich girl, just more it girl. Like the if you if you watch uh How I Met Your Mother, uh there's that one girl, I'm blanking on her name, that's the ultimate girl next door that Ted and mm. uh a bunch of other guys that whenever she's only ever been single a handful of times and every time that she's single, the guy she dates is she's like together with for years because she's the ultimate girl next door and everyone who meets her falls in love with her. So I, I always read into this with Veronica Watson as being that type of it girl, but she is very fashion forward thinking and, you know, wears things that make you question, um, she's not poor. She's her budget for, Fashion. Yes. She's not poor. She, uh, I, I read the costuming is not from a trailer park per se, but yes. Either way, she is presented as the Veronica Watson. So, oh yeah, I'll return my non-refundable plane ticket. My buddy Chris will just push back his wedding. Chicken Keeves will have died in vain. That way, the world could make Sean Hunter happy. And Sean buys it. <laughs> There's times when he does not hear sarcasm for a moment. Oh, yes. there, oh. And we get a classic, are you kidding me, from Mr. Turner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have it on my board, but I can't see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're trying to make a big deal of this date. And we never see this girl again, so... Yeah. Was it a big deal? In the grand scheme of things, no. Not a big deal. But But Corey's trying to help Sean and understand that, you know, hey, Topanga never complains about a cozy date at my parents' house. So, you know. 
And you know, I think I think we could have benefited a little bit from Topanga. We get a lot of talking about Topanga here, but we don't. Topanga's yeah. not in the episode. I wondered if this is one of those episodes where she was, you know, traveling with daddy places. <laughs> she was taking uh, another guitar to Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Must be. Yeah, I. Awkward and weird. I don't know. Didn't really care for that part of it as well. But I will also say this world has established there is a poetry reading place that they can get coffee and go make out for two hours straight and no one would be the wiser. Yep. Even with your parents in the back of the room and Mr. Feeney at the other side. <laughs> yeah. It's just there's there's options for this date. And also he could have just said, let's get together sooner. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I, okay, I get in the adult world starting a date at, like, 8 o'clock is normal. Mm-hmm. But that's a date that's going to last hours on end, potentially. And, you know, it'll be the next day before you're done seeing each other if yeah. it's going well. But for high schoolers, a high school you date make starting a date at 8 that. on a Friday night is kind of late. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, a Friday night football game starts uh, has a kickoff at six o'clock. So, I mean, a date starting at eight, unless they're going to the football game and going afterwards. I mean, that's just anachronistic. Yeah. But I mean, but again, I hate to say it like this all the time, but I don't think these writers were ever popular enough to be able to do the things <laughs> they claiming that Sean can do in high school. Yeah. Sean, Sean is the ultimate fulfillment for them of this is what high school would have been like. And even for probably some of these actors as well, like they didn't have this lifestyle because they didn't go to regular high school. Oh, yeah. yeah. They didn't live a normal world. Hollywood is a bubble, man. We don't live inside that bubble, but they do live in that bubble. They're in the bubble, man. Right. Uh, yes. Just pay the writers. <laughs> pay the writers. Uh, yes, I agree. So anyway, uh, Corey's, Corey's going to take. Hold on, hold on one second. Let's, let's not pass this for a moment. I think. This is really one of those weird things where everybody in the world is like, yeah, just pay them, whatever. And there's just like five guys that go, but I don't want to pay them. And those five guys have the power to shut down a whole industry. Mm -hmm. Isn't that weird? Sadly, yes and no. I've come to I've come to understand and accept that that's normal. And it's sad that I have. Yes. But, Brett, we have another issue uh, that we have to address in this episode. Oh, which issue? Yes. Well, Eric could fail a class from last year, apparently. Yeah. How do you have an incomplete grade from a closed grading period? I don't know. I'm wearing my episode's going to episode shirt tonight, so it's going to do a lot of heavy lifting. Season has to season, Brett. There's no way around it. Yeah, I, I, I need something. I, I need something heavier than episode's going to episode. We, we need to come up with something that does heavier lifting. Because I'm calling, I'm calling bull on that shenanigans. One. Shenanigans. Yeah, I call a gubwa. A gubwa. <laughs> There we go. Agubwa. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. But apparently, uh, Eric never turned in a paper about the Manhattan Project, and Feeney allowed him to have it be an incomplete until he turned it in? Yes. Uh, let's let's hear that interaction. Oh, Mr. Matthews. A question? Uh, 
who's the French guy that fixed the milk? The clock is ticking, Mr. Matthews. What the heck are you talking about? A piece of unfinished business, that 10-page paper you owe me. What? The semester just started? You never said anything about a paper? Louis B. Pasteur. I'm talking about the paper that was due last year. Oh, I forgot about that one. Came up with that milk guy, though. You saw that. You were here. Now, I suggest you get that paper to me by Monday, or your incomplete will become an F. Completely. It's not going to happen, Mr. Feeney. I've been working on it all summer. Up here. Where it's safe. Now, if this were an episode taking place in January, I'd buy it. Because you're going from a fall, uh, fall, winter, winter, spring semester. But there's no way over summer. He's advanced a grade. He can't do that with an incomplete assignment. Right. I mean, how, the only thing I could imagine is he already gave him a grade for it of what he assumes he's going to turn in. But, yeah, I don't think that's possible. You know what? We need to ask our here. Here's what we're going to do. I don't think she's awake, but I'm going to ask our uh, our, teacher, our extraordinaire. teacher extraordinaire. Well, while you're asking our teacher extraordinaire, I want to briefly uh, cycle back to just a, a really weird thought that Sean has about the date because Corey is going to run interference and handle his parents so Sean can have an uninterrupted date. I'm going to dedicate this date to you, man. <laughs> How do you dedicate a date to someone, I wonder? How do I answer that? <laughs> Corey responded the correct way. Yes, he did. I, I don't want to know how you would dedicate a date to anyone. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. But very, very uh, apropos that we are uh, watching a show that has a reference to the paper on the Manhattan Project right now, considering... Uh, what movies just came out this summer? <laughs> I was thinking about that as well, and potentially the uh, there's a good chance that that has a best Oscar nomination as well in its uh, future. Yes, I was seeing that as well. Oh my gosh, I got a response back. Let's hear it. Direct quote: It will vary by district. This is what our school says: incomplete class grades a student who receives an incomplete has a maximum of two weeks after the last week of course to fulfill the assignment notice of the incomplete shall be mailed to the student and parent guardian after the course if the student does fulfill the class assignment the the earned grade will be recorded every school has a different policy and approach to this although uh, most school districts have a timeline in which the work must be completed. That feels fair to me. Very <laughs> much so. It's not just a handshake agreement, which is what it feels like in this episode, that yes. it's a actually like a the parents get notified <laughs> and they know how mm. long child has to complete the the work and generally courses ending within a lot of school districts that two-week window is not going to have much if any overlap with a new semester of classes traditionally your semesters end right before christmas and at the end of the school year so yeah two weeks is i'd say fair definitely not three months plus 
<laughs> yeah, it feels like this was way too long of a wait. And I don't know. I'm going to call it. There's some nepotism for Mr. Feeney when it comes to the two Matthews boys. Definitely. He's really playing favorites with them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to jump to the Matthews kitchen. And uh, we've got some, uh, we've got a little bit of uh, tension between Corey and uh, uh, Corey and Eric because Eric's, we see Eric has uh, decided to purchase a term paper from Term Papers by Gerard. You get a B or wait, is it a B or a C or your paper's free? A D or your pay. If you get a D, your paper is free. Yes, if you get a D, your paper's free. Yes, Eric. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, Eric got a, a a pre-approved and activated credit card sent to him, and has now used it to purchase a a term paper. <laughs> okay, and did not give Corey a message from Topanga. Even though Corey was upstairs the whole time. And uh, and we get one of the most iconic. (laughs) One of the most iconic interchanges between Eric and Corey throughout the whole season. When Corey is complaining to Eric about not getting the message. Hey, little bro, life's tough. Get a helmet. Very wise words from Eric. Followed by a slap in the forehead. Disney... I remember Disney Channel playing that clip a lot. Yes. <laughs> like, that I may have been admit, the most active one. I remember seeing that on so many commercials for on the Disney Channel. And I will admit, I have used that piece of advice many times over <laughs> for many And the smack on the forehead. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I... What do you think about that advice? <laughs> I mean, it's a great moment and it's it's so great when he brings it back around at the end of the episode and it's just it's one of those things that detracts away from the argument of we've never been friends, we were never close because they are, they were and they still are. Mhm. Like their relationship is something special, and this season really lays the groundwork of them actually being more friend-like. Mm. So, I'll have many yeah. thoughts for the last episode of this season, but for right now, <laughs> they are interacting well on a lot with each other. They're they're very believable as brothers at this point. Which well, and like this, they, they have good chemistry together, and that's a they fact. Have fantastic like, chemistry, yeah. Yeah. And this leads into some more Eric snark, Eric sass, snarky Eric, however you want to put it, that I just I I was watching it the other night and I just burst out laughing. Hunter, hey, you're staying with us this weekend. That's great. You guys don't spend enough time together. Why don't you guys just wear like one big shirt? (laughs) I don't know why. I just love that. (laughs) That's a great joke. It is. I love it. It just, it works. It does. Why don't you just wear like one big shirt? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Corey's got all systems ready to go. Dates on. He lets us in that his parents made reservations at the Hillside Grill, 
but uh, he has actually canceled their reservations and they don't know about it. And that means that they're going to have to wait an hour to be seated because they don't have reservations and they'll just have to wait to get in. So by the time they get home, Sean's going to be on a second date. I, I, you know, this, this is interesting high school boy logic. If I got to a restaurant and my reservations were lost, I'm just going to go find a different restaurant, but that's me. And we learned that Sean likes to rest his lips before a big date. Yeah, that was weird. (laughs) It didn't make a whole lot of sense. But apparently it it works because uh, as we transition to the darkened living room and we see uh, Sean on his date, he gets a compliment that they're great lips and they're so well-rested. Well, he he offers well-rested, but she agrees with him. (laughs) Again, very weird, very awkward. Yes. And in true sitcom fashion, who shall come walking in the door, interrupting the date? But we have Alan and Amy both. And I I love the scene. I really do. And Alan does exactly what I would do in the scene. If I came home and a couple of teenagers were making out on my couch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Look, I will say we were watching a show that something a little worse than this was happening, but not too dissimilar. And I literally said to my wife, I have no idea what I would do in this situation if like I walk into our children like being anything like that with another human being. But I don't know if I'd be able to handle it very well. (laughs) I I can you know, there were times in my life as my children were much younger that I would envision myself um, with much more violent reactions. But as I sit here now, I definitely see myself just kind of plopping myself down on the couch beside them and just staying there. Fair. Yeah. I don't see myself getting up and leaving the room like Alan did, but, but, uh, yeah, we've got Alan and Amy coming in. We've got Corey, uh, shocked and disappointed that his scheme did not work because they found a great little place across the street, uh, good burger, romantic meal, cozy booths in and out in under 90 minutes. And, uh, but they can take a subtle hint, uh, cause Corey asked if they're still open. And uh, they go make some coffee in the kitchen. Corey, uh, well, Amy goes make coffee in the kitchen. Alan picks up the remote and turns the TV on to look for fly fishing. <laughs> and Which decides this is he's the just... first scene of the season with Alan. It is. It's it's sad that it's the first scene, but uh, it's a it's a great first scene with Alan. Right, you know me. Well, I a, love Alan Matthews. It, right, but it's the, the transition of. Him becoming more of a, for like what it was, a cool dad. Like he is treating mm-hmm. Corey and Sean more in the way he was treating Eric in the first season. Exactly. And uh, it, it makes sense because Eric, high school first season, third season here, we've got Sean and Corey third season. And, you know, technically Sean's not old. his kid, even though he, yes, 15. 
And first season, we started out with what, 11 years old in the pilot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Four but, years uh, came quick. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, even though even though Sean is not his kid, he effectively kind of views him as his kid by this point. But uh, still under his house for the weekend, so I'm sure there are some rules in place for this date. Oh yeah, no, I could see myself. Oh, my gosh, I do this with teenagers that I know all the time. Love just like getting in between them and not letting mm. them be all canoodly and everything. So. <laughs> um, yeah, but I just I love them. They go. They decide to walk away, so then their date could continue. Mm-hmm. And then uh, doorbell rings. Eric goes to get it, I got and it, it's I got Feeny it, I got at it. the door. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Mister Feeny, welcome to my date. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mister Feeny comes over. We get a lot of mis- misdirection and leading because he's got a package <laughs> in his hand. <laughs> Uh, I uh, love that Eric uh, is ready for the hammer to come down of Eric this whole paper situation. <laughs> and Mr. Feeney is, uh, finally reveals it's just the postage hasn't been paid in full and, and he's got a bill. <laughs> and so <laughs> $3.50. Well, so he needs to pay for it too. <laughs> pay up, bucko. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll we'll pick up here. I've got another clip for us. Here you go, Mr. Feeney. Here's a five. You can keep that change. <laughs> oh, joy. Early retirement. John, is this the weirdest date you've ever been on? Not really. On one blind date, I got fixed up with my Uncle Mary. <laughs> oh, hey, George. How are you? Just oh. in time for coffee. Oh, I don't mind if I do. Oh, good. It's decaf, though. It's can not. I we can make Can't you see the man here is on a date? I mean, that's Veronica Watson for crying out loud. Veronica Watson again. And so well, everyone kind of thing is <laughs> when they look at him is like oh, they all lean you are, in. You are Veronica Watson. That like, is Veronica Watson. How is it that it, I don't get it? I don't get it. Episode after episode, I get it. Episode after episode, 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 I, I, I don't think. I don't think like. Uh, like I don't think Alan and Amy necessarily are leaning in because they recognize her Verona as Veronica Watson, but they're just kind of leaning in for a look. I don't know. Maybe they're thinking maybe I'm supposed to know her, but the image is funny. Yeah. It is. And I, I do love the chaos that's ensuing. And I have to say for Sean, you can't be creative at all. Like you couldn't have taken her to Chubby's or anything <laughs> like that. Like the world is yeah, your really. Oyster, man. I mean, like if you're you, Sean should have seen the two hours as a challenge to take her wherever he could in two hours and get back and sneaking around and all that jazz. Like seriously, he's he's got no no. You said it. You know, creativity. Just sitting on the Matthews couch. Well, now I have to wonder how many dates Corey has set up for him and helped him to be able to do the date successfully. Hmm. So I don't know. I do love this next scene, by the way. And I sit <laughs> here and I watch this and I go, oh, I see that future. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've uh, I, I, I've driven uh, I've driven my own child home from a date or two. Not like this. Thankfully, I didn't have to do this, but. 
but uh, I, I love that. I'm turning into my father. <laughs> yeah. I but, mean, uh, I, hey, hey, nothing but honesty here, good looking people. The words I've said before, I literally went, oh my gosh, my father just spoke through me. <laughs> There have been more than a few times where I have spoken exactly the same words with the same inflection at the same moments, reason that my father has said. <laughs> Good looking people, it's we creepy. all become our parents at some point in some way. <laughs> so good night, Veronica. Good night. Good night. Good night. So Sean won't go drop her off at the door because uh, if I get out of this car, I ain't ever coming back. <laughs> yeah, it definitely implies some things, but also of are her parents cool with you just staying there all night, Sean? Yeah. Nah. Which leads. That also leads on the question of if her parents aren't really active and involved and aren't aware that she also sneaks out, why do they just go to her house? Yeah, and I, I have to wonder too if, if his style is being cramped by a time limit at the Matthews on the couch. What was he gonna do at Turner's that was gonna be anywhere different? knowing what Turner's reaction is going to be at the end of this episode. What was he expecting different at Turner's? Right. I mean, eventually Turner was going to return home. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So we get back to the Matthews. Sean's pacing. Uh, He's got to get out of here. He can't take another shower. He can't. He's used up all the cold water. Okay, I just have uh, to say, there's no such thing as a cold water tank. There's just a hot water tank. You, you can't, can't use, use up, up all, all the cold, cold water, water Sean. <laughs> it comes cold. The hot water tank heats it up. It's always cold. <laughs> Again, yeah. I I'd love to be a fly on that wall. <laughs> this this is Sean in full blown hormone He's mode. He's like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta go. I was like, ah, oh, there's a shock. You staying Sean, here, you leaving. Sean Hunter breaking curfew. <laughs> you know, yep. I was thinking one night when you stay here, could you actually, oh, I don't know, stay here? <laughs> yeah. The last time he did and, that was after the whole pipe bomb incident. I know, the or cherry, cherry bomb. bomb day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love this. He yeah. tries to go out the window. Corey, your mom and dad are down there making out. God bless them. <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> Which, okay, let's let's talk about the brokenness that is Corey Matthews for a moment, because if if a friend says to me, oh, my gosh, I see your parents making out, I'd be like, oh, gross. How often are Alan and Amy making out at their house that, you know, for Corey is like, oh, yeah, it's just another day. <laughs> I think it's healthy that Corey Corey didn't seem happy in his God bless him. He seemed mm-hmm. like he was trying to find some way to be encouraging and not go gross, but yeah, well, yeah. it's kind of like yeah, it, it's it, yeah, it is what it is. Like that's that's all I feel like is he's just like yeah, they do that. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like a, some some 
who should some married couples are like that of just they don't care who's around them they'll just start kissing and all that jazz and it's their house who cares i mean I have no problem kissing my wife in front of my children and my mm-hmm. children don't respond yet to, you know, those grossnesses. But I know you you guys like to use it as a scare tactic to get them away from you. Oh, we do. If, if we want our kids to leave the room, <laughs> we just announce that we're going to start making out and they'll leave. <laughs> OK, odd question. Have you watched the Bluey episode with the whole smoochy smooch? A smoochy kiss? I just want a smoochy kiss. Where the mom tries to give dad smoochy and And they're they're like, no, you can't. He's ours. They try to keep him from her and they find out how disgusting Bandit really is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feed him myself. Yeah. I just, I I giggle at that because, you know, trying to, oh, that's why. Yeah, trying to help children understand uh, why adults are still willing to give smoochy kisses, even though we're both gross. <laughs> Makes me giggle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, anywho, back to the Dad's Meat World podcast, not the uh, Dad's Meat Blue. Yeah, this is not Bluey. <laughs> so Sean's escape route is blocked. He's trying to think yes. really yeah. Sean, outside the Sean box. Sean goes out the window. So the way he always leaves is blocked because, you know, husband and wife who love each other are out back making out so he's gonna go up the chimney over the roof sean down the drain pipe his parents are in the backyard so that means the front door is completely unguarded wide open so what you're saying is you could go out the front door (laughs) you know that's so crazy it just might work (laughs) i Uh, I want my yes. smoochy so kiss. What <laughs> disturbs me in this whole situation, Brett, is once he gets to Turner's, because Sean's exact words are, prepare to enter Hotel Del Sean. <laughs> I, yeah. I get that this whole episode has innuendos all over the place. There's innuendo with Mr. Feeney, Mr. Turner, and the Matthewses. Mm-hmm. But it feels like they're also making an innuendo with Sean. And it feels like we're way too early for those type of innuendos. Yeah. With him. Yeah, because we didn't even touch on Mr. Feeney's. It's not that early for high schoolers to think they're ready for those things. But as an adult, as a dad, I'm like, it's too early for you guys to have these type of innuendos of potentially making poor choices yeah i i agree it it was it's not a great look it's not a i would have preferred a different line even even if he had just gone with casa de sean or something else but the the whole hotel de sean was it 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 kind of drives up the ick factor a little bit. Yeah. But yes, Sean uh, opens a door and we get low, soft music, low mood lighting, and John and a date on the couch and lots of, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Is this bad? It's pretty bad. 
Oh, uh, yes. And uh, we uh, get... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. I just have to now make a comment of <laughs> how long has Sean been at the Matthews's? How long have these two been together and they're just in the on the couch making out? Ah, uh, let's see. We're going to say this is uh, 10. I'm going to say this is probably 11 o'clock by the time they get back to uh, 11 o'clock on Saturday night. By the time they get. Well, it's, to... Yeah, this is Saturday. Yeah, this is I mean, ta- okay. Saturday. So, so why did they I, wait until eight o'clock I on Saturday night? If the two of them have been together all weekend, maybe, maybe, <laughs> hopefully. But is. So, yeah, it's just this awkwardness of, like, what have you been doing this whole time that Sean's been at the Matthews's for now? This is the second night. Unless mm-hmm. he only came for the one night, which is weird and crazy to me. Yeah, I'm going to say episode's going to episode here because um, if this <laughs> no, wasn't Brad, ABC, Not acceptable. <laughs> Well, if this wasn't ABC, it could probably be a lot worse. But uh, That's true. I'm going to say I'm going to chalk it up to to inconsistent writing and episodes going to episode. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Oh, yeah. So now an argument goes into effect of what the heck are you doing here? Why are you bringing a teenage girl into my apartment? Uh, well, let's and... let's backtrack for one second here. Sorry. Yes. Because I want to get Chris in here. Uh, Chris is actually the woman who John is uh, playing tonsil hockey with. Chris is played by Lisa Wilcox. She's actually appeared twice before on Boy Meets World. Her voice has anyway. She mm-hmm. played a TV voice in episode 109, Class Preunion, and in 118, It's a Wonderful Night. This is the last time she'll actually show up in Boy Meets World. She has uh, 55 acting credits to her name. Uh, 18 of them are upcoming projects. Uh, She's shown up in General Hospital, MacGyver, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, and Nightmare on Elm Street 5, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, Walker, Texas Ranger, and many others. I will say uh, the fourth... Nightmare on Elm Street. There's a really cool scene with her in it where she uh, is in a movie theater and all of a sudden she's in a scene in the movie. Um, and the way they do it is still really cool. And it's one of the, one of those things where back once upon a time, filmmakers had to be creative and we don't mm-hmm. get that as much nowadays. It's it's really easy to rely on CGI now and not have to work so practically. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to see some really a really cool practical effect, uh, I recommend going and catching that. Is mm-hmm. it an incredible movie masterpiece? No. Is it better than a lot of the garbage coming out now? Yes. <laughs> well, let's hear a little bit of uh, of John and Sean's uh, conversation here. Hey, wait a minute. How was the wedding, pal? <laughs> That's not the point. Yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh, the Big Apple, the City of Angels. Okay, look, we're getting a little off the subject here. Yeah, that tuxedo, does it come in tuxedo? Hey, enough. I'm the adult here. You're the kid, remember? Well, what's that mean? You can lie and I can't? Look, I needed a little privacy, okay? I got my own life, you know? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was cramping your style by living here. This is my place. I don't have to defend myself. 
Yeah. Yeah, your place. That says it all. You know, we were watching this episode earlier as a family, and my wife and I had this really brief discussion about how when you have teenagers, you do have to defend yourself. Like, because teenagers are smart enough to go, well, why don't we have the things that other people have? And why do we keep these traditions and why is this important to us and it's not them trying to be disrespectful all the time it's just them trying to understand mm-hmm. why you as an adult make decisions that you make and should they also make those same decisions and choices yep. um and so like they're getting into this argument and fight and i just don't think either of them realize of how important these type of conversations are to their growth and their relationship mm-hmm um, cause I remember having these discussions with my parents and I can't wait for the day when I get to have them with my sons, but you know, they're just, he's trying to make sense of his place in the world. And Jonathan, instead of naturally growing into this role of someone constantly asking questions of them, um, he's thrusted into it as a teenager and that's really tough to, to deal with that. Mm-hmm. He's used to so. being able to send them home at the end of the day and, now, all of a sudden, he's bringing one home with him at the end of the day, and the questions continue and go beyond what he's presenting from the front of the classroom. Right. And this is the point in a relationship where he's used to just kind of backing off. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and he's used to being in charge and in control. There's a level of control in a, in a classroom that he's lost a bit of that control in the apartment. Mm-hmm. So Sean leaves. Turner heads over to the Matthews looking for him, and he disrupts Mr. Feeney. And uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Feeney makes a motorcycle in the shuttle just land. <laughs> and uh, you know, Mr. Feeney makes a comment about the arrangement he has with Sean of the potential of ruining one's private life. And uh, George, my private life is far from ruined. Well, I meant mine. We find out that. <laughs> Mr. Feeney's dentist appointment, which we did not mention earlier in the episode. We did not. I knew we were going to get back to it. <laughs> we didn't mention. Well, his dentist is actually looking for where he keeps the towels. Well, I'll be late Monday morning. Dental appointment. She is my dentist. <laughs> ah, Mr. Feeney, you dog. <laughs> Yeah. I'll go Feeney. I'll go Feeney. I'll go Feeney. Don't worry. In a few, that's not us making that up, people. If you haven't watched it, uh, eventually you'll know what that's about. Oh, yes. We'll get to that sometime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But yeah. I love how uh, Alan sees him. He's like, oh, hey, good to see you. Can't talk. Not a good like, time. <laughs> yeah, not a good time. Uh, but he's looking for Sean, so Alan acquiesces. Uh, they call for Sean. Corey comes downstairs. Uh, as you can probably tell, I'm not Sean. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm glad I don't know. <laughs> it feels good telling the truth. It feels good telling the truth. <laughs> Where's he? Where's he supposed to be in here? Pittsburgh? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And he confesses that he, he messed up. He told Sean a white lie that he was going out of town for the wedding and he didn't stay. He didn't go anywhere. He stayed here with a date. And Alan, Alan calls it completely. Sean showed up with his girlfriend at the apartment, caught him at his date. Oh, you're good. (laughs) 
And then we get Amy calling from upstairs. The bathtub's full. The champagne's poured. Candles are lit. And Jonathan's here. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Quinn's face acting is absolutely hilarious. Mm -hmm. He is... Really good. He is cringing. Good looking people. If you watch this scene, pay attention to Anthony's face. It is hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Amy's, I, I don't know why Amy feels the need to cover up the, what they're going to be doing. And oh, we can finish that conversation we're having. <laughs> I'm sure it's just a nat. It's just a natural. It's embarrassment. Like, yes. But I got to, let's ignore what I've said before and just, just let's have a, we have to talk. Yes. 1995, you know, it was, it was a, a little more reserved, more conservative time, especially mm-hmm. for TV. But but yes, I mean, you've kind of tipped your hand. You know, he knows exactly what's going to be happening. Sorry. Nope, don't do it. Uh, <laughs> so anywho, um... He's going to take off and look for Sean. I love how he goes, I'm sorry, I'm in your way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. And Al calls him out, like, where? Where do you think you're going to go? You're going to find him. Like, what are you going to do? And Mm -hmm. I like this honesty of I took him in because I thought it was the right thing to do. And now I feel like I'm I'm floundering. Yeah. And I I really love the conversation that he has with Alan. And I clipped it. Alan, what the heck was I thinking when I asked Sean to come live with me? I'm a single guy. I'm not ready to be a parent yet. Hey, I got three kids, and I'm still not ready. <laughs> Jonathan, I seen you with Sean. You're great with him. That wasn't so great an hour ago. So you made a mistake. You didn't break him in half. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're only human. Yeah, why do I feel so stupid? Well, welcome to the Parent Club. Alan Matthews, member since 1978. <laughs> <laughs> what got you in? Uh, first time Eric was four, I lost him in an amusement park. Oh. He rode the Colossus for six hours. Oh. <laughs> the Colossus, the one with the... Mm-hmm. And then the... <laughs> yeah, you're going to make mistakes. The trick is learning how to deal with them. And that's advice that every parent needs to hear before they have kids and needs to hear constantly as their kids grow up. Mm-hmm. that you're going to make mistakes. You are human. You're never going to be the perfect parent. And that's advice that Alan is is uniquely suited to give Jonathan in this moment, especially since Eric walks in the room right after he gives this advice and showcases it for him. But Alan's yeah. not a perfect person, but Alan is a fantastic father. Mm-hmm. And he is a fantastic model for Jonathan to look to in this moment. Well, and it's just that every now and then you need to hear you're you are doing a good job. You trying is a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't think I've ever met a parent that doesn't feel like they're not ruining their child's life. So any parent I meet that feels like they're doing everything exactly right and they've never done everything wrong for their kid, those are the parents I worry about. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Turner is being a parent. Turner's being the parent that his parents that that Sean's parents never were for him, really. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they did stress about him and worry about him and loved him, but they didn't. Uh, it's never shown that they take it so personally with him. 
Yeah, it's it's shown that his parents were very flighty and very mm-hmm. in and out, whereas Turner well, is very much the mom- here. The moment that they start getting into this fight, he leaves. Mm-hmm. What That's what's been modeled for Sean. Of You get into an argument, and then someone needs to leave. You get into an argument, someone needs to leave. And it's not easy for him to have these harder conversations. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Turner goes back home. He does. And Sean is there waiting for him because uh, he went, uh, he realized there was no place to go. When he got there, he came back. Yeah. Which I wonder if that means he went to the trailer park, maybe, and then realized that his home's not there. And knowing the type of people that his family is, they're not going to have room for him. So there is nowhere for him to go there. It's very possible. I, I, I like that. I like that headcanon. <laughs> so they they decide to have uh, to have the conversation that they should have had in the first place. But realistically, I mean, I I wouldn't have expected them to with how high the emotions were in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I like that he makes it clear of. You know, this is harder than we thought it was going to be. And mm-hmm. trying to navigate of, you know, being your friend, but also being authority of you, not just in the classroom, but in your life is a little harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And I, I like how I like how their conversation uh, turns out. And I, I clipped that as well. 15 year old kids should not be bringing back girls to empty apartments. So what are you going to do? Kick me out? Oh, Sean, come on. Every time one of us messes up doesn't mean somebody's got to take off. We got to talk these things out. Okay, so look, we both messed up, all right? We'll just do it right next time. Sean, do you ever feel like the walls are sort of closing in and you got no place to go where you can just be alone? Yeah. That's probably why I tried to run my little scam. Yeah, that's why I ran mine. Look, if you want to be alone with your girlfriend, you can just tell me. I can find things to do. Legal things? In certain states. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I believe you. And if I want to be alone with my girlfriend, you'll get lost too, right? (laughs) I had to take a shot. I love the idea, or uh, the, the... what John tells him that we got to talk these things out. Every time one of us messes up, doesn't mean someone's got to take off because Sean's immediate reaction is when being told that he did something that he's not supposed to is what are you going to do? Kick me out Mm -hmm. because this is what he knows when he screws up, he, he gets thrown out. That's what he knows. But John is showing him, no, we work things through, and this is what we're going to do. And John takes another big step by admitting they both messed up. For Sean to see an adult admit to him that uh, the adult messed up as well is another huge thing that he doesn't have experience with. I would say for him to admit that he ran a scam on him is big. Very much so. Yeah. Big for both of them. Yeah, and I do love that 
they're trying to find a compromise and try to find a way to see more eye to eye on all this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, I'm of two minds about how they choose to end it. Because on the one hand, I love that John knows exactly what's going on when he says, it's your move. And Sean's just kind of looking at him. And John says, Veronica's behind the couch, isn't she? Because John knew it. On the other hand, I really wish that they would have had Sean be honest and not had Veronica there at all. And that it would have just been Sean coming back because he really didn't have anywhere else to go. But Brett, you're missing the most important thing to this show. <laughs> it's Veronica Watson. Episode as the episode. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I would have preferred the second alternative there. <laughs> but yes, so we, uh, we're going to end it with uh, Eric's term paper turned in to Mr. Feeney. And, uh, yeah, I, I, Eric doesn't know if it was a topic or the right move, but he really just enjoyed writing the paper. But his assigned topic was the Manhattan Project, and the paper in his hands is Abraham Lincoln. And it actually is a copy of the paper written by Sean Hunter, which is... Abraham Lincoln, the best beard in history. <laughs> of which Mr. Feeney particularly enjoyed his comparative analysis. Colonel Sanders, what's up with that? <laughs> and uh, Mr. Feeney, uh, uh, Eric admits that he paid for this paper, uh, wrote the paper, and he admits that he ordered it through term paper writing service, which Mr. Feeney is familiar with. Um and they're still both very confused, at which point Corey comes in and says, <laughs> uh, that Feeney says, ah, yes, they're good. <laughs> so clearly Mr. Feeney has seen more than a couple of term papers by Gerard. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so we get uh, we get Corey coming in and uh, hey, big bro. Life's tough. Get a helmet. And Eric has to go make some more room at the dinner table. (laughs) And chases Corey through the halls of the school. (laughs) He's got a really weird scream he does also. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I do too. It's just, it's a good way to end the episode. And also just a nice, lovely memory for the two of them. Yes, it is. They're they're making memories together. kind that Mr. Feeney or their parents want them to make, but memories nonetheless. <laughs> yes, memories nonetheless. Uh, yes. So that is uh, the double lie. So Tyler, let's hear all about your deep dives. Am I the only one who read the summer reading list? All righty. I actually have a laptop in front of me for once. Yay. (laughs) All right. So I wasn't going to initially do this one, but let's start with Louis Pasteur. He's a French chemist and microbiologist renowned for his discovery of the principles of vaccination, uh, microfiberation, and pasteurization, the last of which was named after him. Uh, his research in chemistry led to remarkable breakthroughs in the understanding cause of pre- prevention of diseases, which laid the foundations of hygiene, public health, and such much of modern medicine. So 
Hey, good to know. Yeah. Born in uh, December 27th, 1822, and passed away September 28th, 1895, at the age of 72. Let's go with the, they mentioned the Colossus. I think they may be referring to the Twisted Colossus, which is a roller coaster from Six Flags. It's a steel coaster, by the way. Originally designed and built by International Amusement Devices, the roller coaster opened as Colossus, a dual-tracked roller coaster on June 29th, 1878, which they mentioned 1978, which means... They would have been there the year it opened. It was the tallest, fastest wooden roller coaster in the world, and the first with two drops greater than 100,000 feet. Colossus became well-known after appearance in television, including National Lampoon, Vacation, and made-for-TV movie Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park, apparently. Yes, for 19 years, it was the park's main attraction until the opening of Superman The Escape. Uh, and after uh, 36 years in operations, closed the Colossus on August 16th, 2014. Rocky Mountain Constructions renovated the ride, converting its wooden tracks to steel, allowing for addition of inversion of the steep drop. It remains much of its wooden structure however it re-emerged as the twisted colossal of may 23 2015 let's go to the manhattan project for those that are not aware and i feel like this is one of those things that people should be aware of during world war ii uh united states realized that they needed a new weapon something that would be able to stop and uh defeat the bad guys or the Alliance. So uh, they gathered scientists together and it was under the tutelage of Robert Oppenheimer, which there's a movie out right now about him. And it was this, this secret project that they, they gathered the scientists together. I don't have all of them written down, but essentially they all gathered to be able to create a weapon in which they would be able to cause enough damage to hopefully stop the war. However, after the usage of said weapon on war, a lot of these men saw the destruction that they caused and thus kind of regretted uh, making such a weapon. And of course, the weapons that we have now, the uh, nuclear weapons out there are a lot more destructive than the ones that were built in uh, World War II. So the ones from World War II seem like nothing. So that's why there's always a fear of nuclear war. Fun facts. Let's go to something sillier, shall we? Let's go to five tips for uh, taking care of your lips. So tip number one, exfoliate. Remove dry dead skin flakes by gently brushing your lips with a wet soft toothbrush or washcloth. Then we have hydrate. Unlike the rest of your skin, it tends to dry out and become chappy easily since they're, they do not contain oil glands. Drink lots of water and keep your lips from drying out and avoid licking your lips. So, Sean, drink more water and you'll have good lips. Protect and moisturize. Lips receive lots of sun exposure, particularly in the bottom lip. That means they can contain spot for skin cancer. Scary. So basically just be careful whenever you're out and about. Reply often. Remember to reapply sun protective lips products every two hours, especially after eating and drinking and finding it helps to keep the SPF 
lip balm in uh, several places. And last but not least, speaking of products, make sure you're using the right ones. Look for the lip products that have been awarded the Skin Cancer Foundation Seal of Recommendation. This seal is a reward to sun protective products that meets the standards of our photobiology uh, committee. Basically, for what I'm seeing of this is if it has this seal, the Skin Cancer Foundation Seal of Recommendation just means that it will protect your lips much stronger than any other products out there. So, unfortunately, Sean, it's not just about not using your lips. It's about actually using stuff on it just in case. So, if you want to actually rest your lips, Sean, I recommend uh, treating it to a good massage. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about the fact that in the 90s, somehow Eric was able to get a paper sent overnight to him because that just seemed like, how's that possible, Brett? That's what I kept thinking. Like, how is it in the 90s that's even a thing? Well, I'll tell you. Airmail was conceived early in and scheduled service began in 1918. Scheduled airlines carried high-valued and perishable goods from early on. And the most important advance, however, with the hub-and-spoke system pioneered by Federal Express, also known as FedEx, in 1973 with deregulations in 1977, they were able to establish an air-based system capable of delivering small packages, including mail, overnight through most of the country. In response, the Postal Service initiated a comparable express mail service in the same period. They also began contracting with Amtrak to carry mail by rail. Thus, the turn of the 21st century, the U.S. consumers can choose from a variety of public and private services, offering deliveries at various conditions of speed and cost. So, yeah, for... Almost 20 years by the time that Eric makes this phone call to get something overnighted, they've had the technology to be able to do it. I'm just going to say it. That's a fail as me being a millennial thinking that uh, overnighting <laughs> is just a thing that, you know, that came whenever I was younger. So cool beans. So Corey is wearing something in this episode that I think is very important, Brett. Yes. He's wearing a uh, Eagles jersey. So I figured since we see the Eagles, let's go ahead and talk about them because we can't talk about the sports team of the of the time period. It's like last year, they didn't want to mention any sports until the end because they wanted to get Corey as far away from sports. But this year, eh, who cares? So the Eagles at this time had a of, of the season in which they're in currently. So it's the beginning of the season. We're looking at the end. So the 95-96 team, their record was 10-6, and six, which is much better than the last two seasons. Uh, head coach was Ray Rhodes. No idea who that is. They actually made the playoffs. John Gruden was the offensive coordinator. That's interesting. They made it to the playoffs. They actually, they won in the wild card against the Detroit Lions. And then they lost to the Cowboys 32-11. That's a really weird score. That's why I didn't believe it. But this is the time period in which the Cowboys were on a different level as far as football was compared to most other teams. Oh, yes. So 
<laughs> they won the Super Bowl this year again. That was Super Bowl thirty. I know that the that was Pittsburgh Steelers. That was the year we all decided Neil O'Donnell needed kicked out and shipped out of town to New York. Oh, I know it well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me just pull up top players then. <laughs> I opened a wound, good-looking uh, people, for uh, Brett. I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. I got to watch two victories after that in Super Bowl 40 and 43. So, Oh, my gosh. Don't even try to say that you guys won cleanly on that first one. Well, I don't know what you're complaining about there. Well, I'm going to be real with you. I'm just, I mostly just was taking a good, quick look over to see if there's any names that I recognized. And I don't. So the Pittsburgh to uh, Philadelphia connection, because not everyone lives in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in the, in the Pennsylvania bubble, I think sometimes people don't realize how big of a state Pennsylvania is because the actual distance, like time-wise of driving someone would do from downtown Philadelphia to downtown Pittsburgh is roughly four and a half hours to five hours, depending upon which way you go, depending upon traffic, and depending upon what suburbs you end up going into and out of. I was thinking about, like, why would someone fly from Philly to Pittsburgh? Like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if he did, like, say, a half day at school or even, you know, got done and immediately books it to the airport, you know, he could get on a flight about 345-ish, around the 90s. You could show up five minutes before that flight and be just fine. And then be in Pittsburgh by, like, five o'clock. And as long as someone's willing to pick you up from there... You know, technically, if he does that on a Friday night, he'll make most things. He'll just get some instructions on, you know, what he's supposed to do for the wedding purposes. The wedding's the next day. They're doing the wedding stuff all day. And then he leaves the next morning, you know, another hour, 15 minute flight. And it's about 300 bucks to do that now. In all honesty, if you're trying to get in, get out of a place, that's not that bad. And Pittsburgh has a pretty decent airport, too. Because if he didn't want to, like, ride his bike all the way out there, which is fair, and he decided to just, like, rent, say, a sports car, because that's a pricier thing to rent. Honestly, for two-day rental, it's only, like, 273 bucks. So, like, if he did that, he would have to take the day off of school, but he could be back by Monday easily. So, all in all, it's not that ridiculous for someone to go to Pittsburgh or to Philadelphia for a wedding. But I think for his lie, and this is mostly a, a knock on the writers, they should have chosen like New York because it would make sense that he would have to go to New York for a night, like of the a night of the wedding and like stay there for the night and then come back the next day. Especially if he was only going to be gone, uh, only if he needed like Saturday. Well, Brett, those are all your uh, deep dives. All right, so let's find out. You know anything about the Odyssey? Huh? Did I say you could talk? I didn't teach you that. My friend Mr. Matthews will lead the discussion. Do I have to draw you a picture? What did you learn, Tyler? So, Brett, what I learned was that, you know, when you have teenagers, you you do have to have conversations that are difficult and are hard and you do have to be willing to explain yourself and i try that with my six-year-old 
Uh, I don't know how much of it really lands on him, but, you know, explaining of why you do things as a family, I think, is important and, and what it means to to carry your family name um, and why you, you know, want to be the kid's parent. All those things are important and I think help them grow and be a more well-rounded person. That's good learning. Yeah. What did you learn, Brett? I, uh, in the vein of, of learning and, and being reminded over and over the same lessons as we always are, uh, I was reminded and, uh, relearned just how important it is to, uh, to remember that we are humans. None of us are perfect. And as parents, we're going to make mistakes. What's important is how we, how we deal with them, how we handle them. You know, if, if we lose our children and they're stuck for six hours on the Colossus, how do we handle that? If our child is having a rough day, how do we handle that? If our, if we are, if, if we get into an argument with our child or we got, get caught running a scam on them, how do we, how do we handle that? What's important as a parent is how we handle those those mistakes, not the fact that we're trying to avoid them. We're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Also, I learned that you need to teach your kids uh, actual facts about places. And so making sure people know like the Big Apple means New York, City of Angels means Los Angeles. You know, those little things. Oh, of course. <laughs> so. I'm right. No, you're exactly right. So am I done with my education? Can I go? What would you grade the double lie? Okay. I need to give a asterisk to this grade. <laughs> We're two episodes into season three and you're already already grading with an asterisk. <laughs> well, I haven't given an asterisk to any of our grades so far. Um, <laughs> because this... I am bothered, deeply bothered by the whole 15 year old trying to take girlfriend back to uh, an apartment alone all by themselves. I'm deeply troubled by the fact that Sean sneaks out. He sneaks out the girl multiple times Mm -hmm. and I'm troubled and bothered by the fact of uh, the fact that they their date is just them making out. Um, that bothers me as a dad. Mm-hmm. However, this is borderline a perfect episode of this of this season of this show, and, and really puts to, to to display of that struggle of teenagers and parents dealing with their kids and their kids' friends becoming teenagers and what all that looks like and you know, the struggle that it truly is and the struggle for adults to still be people and themselves and to not just be a parent. Um, you know, cause my, my wife and I have that struggle of, because we have a newborn baby of <laughs> trying to, you know, still be us and still do things and go on dates. But with a newborn, it's difficult. Um, mm-hmm. So how do we still be our 
somewhat fun selves <laughs> and make time for ourselves and still love and cherish this baby boy. Um, not to mention the the needs of his bigger brother. So it's it's that it, it's also that fact of like, well, if Corey being told his parents are making out is not something that is just immediately grossed out and something he's just kind of, yeah, is what it is. That's also encouraging for me. So I, mm-hmm. I have to give it an A plus with the asterisk of 15 year old. That is gross. You shouldn't do that. And it's still a perfect episode. <laughs> I'm putting a plus with an asterisk. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to give it a B. I, How dare you? <laughs> I, I love this episode. Well, I, I had it originally as a B minus. Um, I love the episode. Uh, I, I love the Alan uh, interaction with Jonathan. I love the Alan interaction with Sean. I love the Sean interaction with Jonathan. There are some logic leaps in the writing that are hard to get through. There is the idea that Sean is being allowed to just have a date where he's just sitting in the dark in the living room for two hours, just making out on a Saturday night, not being encouraged to go do something else. Eric's, Leap of logic for an overdue term paper by three months is a little bit fishy. There's a lot of stuff on the outside that that I uh, that I have to work through, but the heart is still good. Mm-hmm. I really do enjoy everything that is in the heart. There's just a lot for me to wade through to get to it. Yeah, that's fair. I do believe you owe me something, Brett. I do. I owe you a dad joke. So, Tyler. What do you call a woman who's really good at darts? Hmm. I don't know. You call her Amy. <laughs> Very nice. So, good looking people, that is our episode for The Double Lie. And we'd love for you to connect with us offline on our social media channels. Follow us at Dad's Meat World on Twitter slash X slash whatever Elon calls it next week. Facebook and uh, Instagram. Send us an email at dadsmeatworld at gmail.com. Or, hey, you know what? We'd love to hear from you with a five-star review if you think we're worth it at uh, Apple Podcasts or... uh, I don't know. We'll can, read you, them. can you leave a review uh, on Spotify? <laughs> I don't know. I don't we'll think leave you a can. Somewhere we'll read it. I don't think you can, but I know you can on podcasts. So, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So let us know how we're doing and how we yeah. can how we can bring you more Sean and Corey goodness. It's 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 season three. They're in high school. High school. <laughs> So, Tyler, until next week. They want you to take the rules. They do. They absolutely want you to. <laughs> I'll see you, good looking. Hi, good looking. You know, how can I learn so much every week and still be so stupid? You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head for Studios. Tell your story.
Brett, we've been doing this podcast for 90 years. And every podcast, I have Dr. Pepper and Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I will say, this episode has a lot of great random reactions like that. <laughs> oh, yes. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> And that's what has been modeled for air for core for oh my gosh with um oh my gosh I'm just start reading the thing and it, <laughs> hi I know I need to feed you I'm sorry someone is demanding his evening feed you're just mad because your defensive back got tripped up by a quarterback running backwards <laughs> I'm not talking about my team <laughs> and how we should have won a game that we blew because we had a bad kicker. I can't, I still can't believe that we shipped out of town <laughs> two the, weeks later. As Peyton called him, the idiot kicker. <laughs> <laughs> Vander Jag. But then we got. Uh, the greatest kicker of all time so you know the funniest thing he actually was a cult longer than he was a patriot uh yeah i, I do remember that <laughs> so 